0: Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen's Sports Talk. And we thank you for hitting the play button and glad to have you with us. Coming up, we will talk to Colin Thompson, tight end for the Tampa Bay Vipers of the XFL. That's right, spring football will be starting one week after the NFL's Super Bowl. Colin is standing by in the virtual green room. He will join us in just a few moments to talk about how things are going with the Vipers. Well, how about the baseball cheating scandal? Three managers have now been claimed victim to being fired or mutually parting ways, however you want to say it. A.J. Hinch with the Astros. uh, He, of course, and the Astros general manager were both fired after the suspensions were handed down by Major League Baseball. Then Alex Cora, before any suspensions have been levied, the Boston Red Sox and Cora have parted ways. And now Carlos Beltran, who was set to begin his rookie managerial season with the New York Mets, it ain't going to happen. So, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> that has turned into one hot mess. And you just got to think, you know, with... The cheating going on, you know, it's one thing. You know, the Astros are a good team. You know, it's like they don't need to cheat. You know, if a bad team is cheating, you can see, okay, they're trying to do something. But uh, going from garbage can banging, now there may the story circulating that the Astros had little Sensors in their jerseys, kind of like you know the little uh, uh, things they hand you at uh, at the restaurant to to wait on your table, the little buzzer. <laughs> really got to see if that's true or not. But goodness gracious, it's uh, you know it's one thing if you're if you're you know if, if you're if you're catching somebody tipping their pitches. And maybe you can kind of like, you know, motion and do a a sign steal from, you know, the runner at second base. You know, we know that's been going on forever. But to go to the extent of adding technology to the mix and elaborate ways of notifying the batter what's coming. Very, 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 very wild. But uh, lots to clean up there and... The Astros World Series now is going to have a big black mark next to it, whether they like it or not. You know, in the Red Sox, you know, they had the little thing with the Apple Watch F before Alex Cora. And yeah, there you go. It just, uh, It's just uh, making, a, making a bad mess of the offseason. And now these teams all have to get new managers. And you have to promote from within because everybody else is pretty well locked down. You know, is this close to the start of a baseball season? I mean, we're just a you know less than a month away from you know pitchers and catchers reporting, and now these teams have to reload, and uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. But ugh. well, I got to tell you, man, uh, and and you can you can color me a Dallas Cowboys fan through and through, and say, well, this is the only reason you're saying this, but. Drew Pearson deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think there's any question about that. The fact that the Hall of Fame has not included Drew Pearson is an absolute travesty and very sickening. He is the only member of the all-decade team in the 1970s, the only member that is not in the Hall of Fame. He's on the old decade team. You got to be kidding me. And Drew Pearson, you know, you talk about his numbers, it was a different game in the 70s. His numbers in the 70s were fine. You know, Lynn Swan did not have great numbers, but Lynn Swan made remarkable, memorable catches. So did Drew Pearson. You've heard of the Hail Mary, right? The original Hail Mary. From Roger Staubach against the Vikings, 1975, and numerous other clutch catches. I mean, he always came through in the big moments. And why the original number 88 is not in the Hall of Fame is just an absolute joke. And yes, I'm passionate about that as a Cowboys fan, but you know what? I will take it a step further. Our hated rival, the Washington Redskins. Joe Jacoby. Another travesty that this guy is not in the Hall of Fame. One of the great offensive linemen of all time. Still waiting for his invite. So, I can look at it through perspective of, yes, my heart hurts a lot more for Drew Pearson. And that video yesterday is heartbreaking. And... You know, he had to and he's right, he got strung along again. But yeah, there are guys that need to be in the Hall of Fame that are not. And the Hall of Fame voting, how many uh, you know broadcasters or writers have you heard who quit getting engaged in Hall of Fame voting because they don't like how you know how it all is grandstanding and, and, and you have certain guys running it and pushing their agendas and getting their way not to the betterment of the Hall of Fame. So, number 88, Drew Pearson. I hope he gets his chance soon. I hope he, you know, we need to take care of these guys, why they're still alive. You know, look how many guys going in posthumously this year. It's ridiculous. And, you know, I don't want the Hall of Fame to become the Hall of the Very Good. But there is no way absolutely no way you cannot convince me that Drew Pearson is one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. This is the future. This is not the past. This is the future. And the future moves fast. This is quicker, simpler, simpler. Rules. Reform. This is your game. Safer. This is football. Reborn. This is gaming and fantasy. This is padded. Roulette. Make a trade. Make a team. Make a move. Make a bet. This is fans above all. This is maximum action. Less store. More ball. Fewer infractions. This begins in 2020. The future is near. More access. More everyone. More everything here. This is our moment, our story to tell. This is history begun. This is the XFL. Yes, it is the XFL, closing in on about three weeks before the start of the season of spring football. Joining us now to talk about that, tight end from the Tampa Bay Vipers, Colin Thompson. Welcome back to our show, Colin.
1: Love joining you. Thanks for having me, Jeff.
0: Hey, it's great to great to have you with us, and uh, I gotta imagine your juices are flowing, getting excited to get back out uh, on on the football field, playing in meaningful games.
1: I am, I'm really excited, our team's excited, we're down here in Houston right now as a team, as an entire league, which I think is really unique, the entire XFLs together in Houston, all eight teams uh, have a bunch of buddies on all the teams, so we were able to go out and grab some lunch today on the off day, and we'll finish up with the a practice tomorrow, uh, a a joint practice with another team, uh, a day off, and then really a preseason game. And then it's another week and a half, and we kick off the season February 9th, the the Vipers do, um, up at the Meadowlands uh, in New York uh, where the Giants and Jets play. So the season's around the corner. We start a week after the Super Bowl, and I'm excited to get going. And like I said, our team's pretty excited to get going as well.
0: Yeah, so tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, with the, the scrimmages and the practice going on there, are they uh, typically like NF, NFL scrimmages where uh, things might get a little testy from time to time?
1: Uh, that is fair uh, to say. I think testy is fair to say, but I'll, I'll tell you this. A lot of these guys in the league, if not all of them are just like me, guys that have been in and out of the NFL, guys that are trying to get back to the NFL. It's one common goal, and everyone really takes care of each other. It's a very different vibe in that aspect where in the NFL it's so testy, it's so driven. Um, Maybe you had an inter-squad practice against the team the day before and then you have a preseason game against them the next day. Um, This is, hey, let's get out here, let's get some work. There's no tackling, no one's going to the ground. Um, Guys are tapping off the hip instead of running through guys. So it's a little less physical. Um, So it's led to some safer play. And like I said, we're all in the kind of the same boat trying to put a good year together on film and get back to the nfl and that's not a hidden thing it's the same for the coaches as well um but no everything's been great so far for us uh, with the tampa bay vipers we have a great group led by coach mark Trespin. um he's really a builder of of men and people and he does things the right way i think um so i'm excited for what the season brings it's going to bring the obstacles they always bring but i like our coach, I like our leadership on the team. And I think our team's headed in the right direction.
0: So you played in the AAF last year, and now you're going to the XFL this year. Can you kind of give me what the difference is as far as how do you feel about going into this season? What are are the intangibles that I think the XFL uh, will have over what uh, did not go right with the uh, AAF?
1: Well, I'll say this. Everything here is first class. Everything that we've been, that is, that is, we have done so far from mini camp let me backtrack from the draft to mini camp to training camp to uh physicals team physicals to having health insurance uh to stuff like that all the little things that you wouldn't see but uh, as just a casual fan is taking care of uh, our meals are like you'd have if you're an nfl team coming to a hotel we have great hotels great amenities um first-class bus service will fly private to every game. Um, So we did in the AF a lot of the similar things, but to the extent where this just seems like it's the right thing, everything has been first-class. I use that term all the time, and it's kind of redundant, but it really is the best way to put it. Um, Vince McMahon and the people at WWE who own the XFL have just made it a pleasure uh, to be here. I think the rule changes are going to make it better for fans, Uh, And it's also not going to take away the the pure version of football that we all know and love. It's going to shorten the game a little bit. It's going to safen some things for us as the players on special teams uh, and add some entertainment uh, to the scoring uh, where maybe you're not completely out of the game if you're down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So uh, I think the changes off the field have been great. The changes on the field have been great, and they're run by the right people uh, off the field. So I think it's going to be a success, and I'm looking forward to getting the season started.
0: So tell me a little bit about some of those rule changes. So uh, let's go over a few of those. First one, uh, uh, two forward passes, as long as I guess the first pass doesn't go past the line of scrimmage. Have you lobbied to get a pass play?
1: (laughs) I think everyone's lobbied to get a pass play, (laughs) but more importantly, the offensive linemen have all lobbied for a pass play. Uh, That's just kind of how that goes, Um, the double pass in that sense. But it's going to be interesting how that goes. Um, I don't know how much is going to be used right away. But I could see, you know, like the little bubble passes, stuff we really see now. Um, It's just you can throw it forward. But really, if you're, you know, if you're throwing it forward, you're getting closer to the defense and then they have the ability to tackle you before the throw. So I still still see a lot of throws right behind where the quarterback's going to be. It's just going to be not reviewed as much because hey, it doesn't matter if you throw it forward a little bit; you can still throw it. So I don't think it's going to be as dramatic as people made that rule out to be.
0: And uh, the kickoffs is going to be pretty interesting. So there won't be uh, a traditional kickoff. The kicker will be back at the what is it, the twenty-five, I believe, and then uh, and then the rest of the team will be on the opposition's thirty-five. Uh, tell me how yep. that how that how that is uh, going to play.
1: Yeah, so the return team will all be on the thirty and the kickoff team will all be on the 35. Uh, The kicker they're tinkering with where they want to put the ball essentially is they want to see how long the kickers can kick it. They want to make sure the ball lands between the 30 where the return team's standing and the goal line. Uh, They're trying to keep the ball in play. They're trying to keep more action. They're trying to keep people in front of their TVs, people in the seats. The clock is running. That's another thing that we'll talk about. Um, So the games are shorter. So... uh, Return-wise, though, like if the kicker kicks it out of bounds before, say, the 35, I think the ball comes all the way back to the plus 45. So you're already in pretty much field goal position to an extent, uh, uh, depending on how big your kicker's leg is. And it, it really is advantageous now the, it, for, for certain situations. Obviously, if your kicker can one-hop it in play through the back of the end zone and it puts the ball to 15-yard line right there, so that's what the ideal play is. So there's different strategy going to be implemented to it. I think. There's been multiple chances now for TV crews to kind of talk through our games. I think we've kind of done a couple practice scrimmages so far. I don't know what they're doing TV-wise, but my radio background kind of tells me that, hey, they're practicing too. The the refs are practicing. Uh, The media people are practicing how to explain this game. It's going to be a little different for the fans, so if people hang with it, I think it's going to be very interesting. And I think, too, just like the AEF, putting some things in for the players and the fans that are advantageous to both um and it's a challenge of the nfl to see what they're going to match especially with the cba coming up because players are always trying to get healthier uh, and fans are always trying to be more intrigued
0: yeah it is an interesting concept because i know they want to balance the player safety issue but you do want to see the action you know kickoffs you know not getting returned is kind of dull basically (laughs)
1: Yeah, and, and that's he is. They want to make sure the ball's in play. So if you kick it out of bounds, you're penalized. If you punt it out of bounds, you're penalized. Uh, so there, there's different rules with that. There's no coffin corner punts anymore. That They're trying to force the action. They're trying to get the ball in these returners' hands. Uh, and it's good for us because when you kick it out of the back of the end zone, I don't get the film. As a player, I want the film. I want the rep. Um, I want to show what I can do uh, to get back to the NFL. So it allows you to do that.
0: All right, then the uh, conversions after touchdowns. That's kind of a unique concept they've got going there where you have more than one particular scoring option.
1: Yeah, there'll be a one-point play at the two, a two-point play at the five, I believe, and a three-point play for the 10. So you know, your normal six-point touchdown, you know—you can have a nine-point swing, and you know, say you're down two scores, all of a sudden you know, you're right in the game. Uh, I think it's a very, very interesting way to do it. I think it's... Something to do away with maybe the boredom of the extra point. Uh, Even though the NFL has pushed the extra point back, it's still relatively a gimme at 90-something percent. So um, I like the change. I think it's fun. And again, it adds more film. That's the takeaway for me as a player. Uh, Sure, it adds more fun for the fans. But as a player, as a quarterback, as a defensive back, as a defensive lineman, it gives me another opportunity in a somewhat controlled environment to show what I can do. Uh, and really, quote unquote, score another touchdown uh, on film, it looks like, because you're in the red zone. You have another shot to show what you can do.
0: What other uh, nuances do we want to be aware of as far as the XFL game is concerned?
1: Well, I think the big thing is the running clock. Uh, we discriminated the other day, and we had a long drive, and the quarter went by just like that. Uh, the clock is running until two minutes left in the second quarter. You can drop a ball, you can. You can excuse me. It can be an incomplete pass. You could run out of bounds. It doesn't matter. The clock will be, still be moving uh, until two minutes left in every half. So I think that's very interesting. And another thing, overtime wise, both teams will have five chances, uh, and it's pretty much a best of five. And if there's multiple penalties, say we say you have two false starts, then they get a point. Or say there's two defensive holdings, then boom, it goes to the offense. So. I think the overtime is a really interesting rule. It speeds up play um, and adds more entertainment. And I think the running clock and the 25-second play clock was interesting, too. Another thing that keep kind of folding into my mind now as we talk through it is all the offensive players will have the plays in their headsets, so there won't be any huddling. We'll just be lining up and running plays, uh, which is really entertaining for the fans and, and great for us as well.
0: Yeah, well, I tell you what, the, that scenario with the overtime is pretty good. That's kind of like uh, penalty kicks in soccer, right? Where, you know, best of, best of five. I kind of like that concept.
1: It's going to be cool. It really is. You put the ball in the five-yard line and give me your best five plays. I think that's really unique. There will be one offense versus defense on the one side of the field and one on the other, just like penalty kicks. It's going to be rolling guys back and forth, bang, bang, bang. So uh, I think it's super entertaining. Um, it's great. And again, it it was only five plays, I think, for players' safety. When you go to overtime, if you play a 10-minute, 20-minute overtime, whatever you think it is, that's another 20, 30 plays on a person's body um, that you have to take into account if you want to have the health of a season. These aren't huge rosters. So I I think the XFL has done a great job of player safety and fan engagement as well.
0: And you mentioned uh, your coach, Mark Trustman a little bit earlier. So uh, as you uh, look forward to this season, um, tell me a little bit about uh, what to expect for the Vipers.
1: Well, it's such a coach, Coach for sure. Coach is um, a builder of men, a builder of people. I think that's clear with everybody on the team. He's all about the team. He's all about um, doing the right thing. He implements his certain mentalities that are all about doing everything right off the field to lead to doing things uh, right on the field. Um, and that's something I believe in as well, something that Matt Rule uh, instilled in us at temple and it's something i appreciated when i got here uh, and it was unique to my ears so coach trustman is, is a good man um and i think his staff is a group of great people very in- intelligent um, coach trustman's been calling plays for a very long time in the nfl cfl um, defensively with jerry glanville you can't go wrong the guy's a legend so uh, we have a great staff one um and Pete Mangieri and my tight end coach, is just fantastic. It's been a pleasure working with him. And then we have a great group of guys. One of our quarterbacks is Aaron Murray. He's a big name that everybody knows, but mm-hmm. we have a host of other great players as well. My um, roommate, Taylor Cornelius, he's, he's our backup, I believe, right now. Uh, is a great player at Oklahoma State and Quentin Flowers. I mean, you couldn't ask for three better quarterbacks, so we're successful in college and hopefully successful at the pro level. So there's our quarterback room and then a great offensive line. Uh, led by Coach Heimbach, there a group of receivers. It's just a really deep team. I like the way that the XFL set up the draft, um, and then defensively, I, I think we have all the great pieces to be successful. I'm really uh, very, very excited about our team and how we match up with other teams. It's been uh, it's been a good camp for the Vipers. Everyone stayed healthy so far, and really just four or five days left, and we're back to Tampa.
0: You know, it's interesting, you know, some 30 odd years ago, uh, a spring league and the Tampa Bay Bandits took that town by storm. They were probably doing better than the Bucks uh, during that time in, in place. Is there a little bit of, uh, you know, besides proving yourself, uh, you know, proving that uh, you guys are the better football team in the Tampa Bay area?
1: <laughs> no, I don't, that hasn't crossed my mind, at least. I don't think it's something we've brought up. <laughs> and we definitely don't want to create that narrative for sure. The Bucks are a Bucks, uh, you know, a great, Great NFL franchise. I'm sure a lot of us, with the Vipers, would love to play for. Um, but no, we're we're just happy to be playing football uh, in the XFL. Uh, playing for Coach Trespin and playing for Mitch McMahon in the XFL has been a pleasure so far. I'm looking forward to the season. But no, we're we don't we don't want to have that. We don't want to create that narrative for sure. We're just blessed to be playing football professionally get involved with the community that's something that we're really going to do and be passionate about this season not just talk about it but be about it and uh we're really excited to embrace in the tampa community and hopefully winning and them embracing us back
0: yeah, and I take what I like about the the makeup of the roster is, uh, besides the the guys you had mentioned, uh, there's also a good mix of guys that are from this area that played their college football at like Miami, UCF, Florida State, which gives a uh, a little bit more of a recognition and a tie-in for the local fan bases. No
1: question, there's a bunch of Gators too. I'm going to give a shout out to yes. them, uh, my my former team there. I was with in 12 and 13, but no, we have a great group of guys from Florida, like you said. And that was the cool part about the AAF because we were we only had to be from a certain area to play for certain teams. To an extent, I would say the large, maybe sixty to seventy percent of the roster was local guys. Uh, but the XFL definitely kept some of that as well. And that homegrown talent is going to put some people in the sands. It's going to turn some TVs on. People know what Quentin Flowers did. People know, even though Aaron Murray's he's from Tampa, he played at Georgia. People know what Aaron did. People know what these guys at UCF and Florida State. Um, have done, so I'm excited Um, and you guys have a guy running back in Patrick that played there at Timber Timber Creek for my friends friends of mine, the Buckridge family there, the head coach there uh, Coach Buckridge and and my buddy Connor Buckridge, our coach is there and Coach Patrick I saw him play when he was in high school and now I'm playing fullback tight end for him uh, in professional football, which is pretty cool, we played at Florida State obviously so a lot of local talent, which is great for us at the Vipers and I'm sure the fans will be really happy about that as well
0: all right, so you mentioned your former Temple coach, Matt Rule, a little bit earlier. Did you <laughs> did you at the time think he would be coaching in the NFL you know, in this soon?
1: <laughs> I, I, I knew he wanted to, and I was blown away when I got there. I'll say that. I You know what it was funny for me? When I went to the Giants and drafted, I thought the world of Matt Rule. I still do. He's become a friend um, more than just a coach. And I was – working out, and a scout came up to me just in passing with the Giants and said, hey, you know your coach going to be in the NFL? I said, I don't know if he wants to be a coordinator, and he's got his hands full at Baylor. I think he'll flip that around, but NFL, man, you got to really be, you know, I, I think you can do it, but it's going to be an uphill battle at Baylor. And he said, oh, no, he's not going to be a coordinator. He's going to be a head coach. And I was like, wow, these are NFL people saying to me that this guy's going to be an NFL head coach. and..." He just took a Baylor job that's not the prettiest job to take. Uh, Fast forward three years later, and he did the same thing at Temple as he did at Baylor, and here we are. He's going to do the same thing with the rebuild. It looks like it's going to happen in Carolina. So he is a great person, uh, first off and second off. He works his butt off. He does things the right way. I can attest to that. I was there for three years. I saw it in my own two eyes, and he's going to put a a great product on the field that people that really want to play for him uh, playing the NFL, represents the Carolina Panthers brand. I can guarantee you that. If you've seen that interview, that press conference, he was fantastic. And that's him every day. Um, he's as real as it gets. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity he's going to have there. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, that should be tremendous. And uh, let me, of course, you know, you uh, uh, work with with uh, Temple Radio. You do some work with uh, uh, ESPN 97.3 in South Jersey. So I'm going to ask you to put your analyst hat on and uh, give me a little uh, thoughts about the AFC and NFC Championship games. Uh, let's talk about the let's talk about the AFC in Kansas City and Tennessee. What do you think?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I would have said Kansas City two weeks ago, no question. But I'm going to go with Tennessee. I think they're just so physical. I think Kansas City's got all the pieces. I just like the mojo around this Tennessee team. They kind of remind me of the New York team with Eli and Brandon Jacobs and that physical defense and defensive front. And they just beat you up with tight ends and you know receiving clutch play out of their quarterback. And it just was super super physical. They that's a team that embodies their head coach and Brable. Um, I like Tennessee this weekend. I think they're just going to outmatch them physically. Uh, they're going to run the ball and Henry's just been a nightmare with that offensive line that tells the tight ends the fullback everyone buys into what they're doing in Tennessee they're moving in the right direction so I like I like Kansas City I like Andy Reid I hope Andy Reid wins the Super Bowl I think he's a great coach um, one of the nicest men I've ever met uh, in the NFL so I like but I, I do I just like Tennessee so as weekend. I think they're super physical and they're really fun to watch
0: so tell me, had you ever seen anything like that Houston-Kansas City game where the team is down 24 nothing and then almost in no time at all, <laughs> they're trailing by four points?
1: <laughs> I haven't seen anything like that ever, especially in the NFL. I think it's something in college maybe you could do. Um, just a different game, right? Even though we can't really put a finger on it, it's just a different game college and pro. Uh, but but I really do think that that's I've never seen anything like that ever. It was I'm in Houston. I watched it at my girlfriend's house uh, with her parents and their big Houston Texans fans, and they were blown away. And and, and the whole time he's you know Cindy's father's saying, "I don't know, man. They may be coming back. I they needed they need to score again. They need to score again. And all of a sudden, going into halftime, Kansas City's up. Um, so." pretty crazy do you There's think anything like it
0: yeah so do you think bill o'brien made a mistake not going for that fourth and one and try to push that score to 28 nothing and then later trying the fake punt in his own territory
1: no i don't think he made a mistake kicking it i think you've got to take the points it's 24 nothing mm-hmm. i mean I, I i just think that's uh, the fact that that became a thing i understand it. we can question it but 24 nothing you're an offense you're a special teams unit. You're a defense. That's exactly what you want when you're playing on the road is that type of win. And that's that type of, uh, uh, excuse me, that lead. So, um, no, I think it was the right thing to do. The fourth, the the, the, um, the the call to go for it, I think was the right call. It just looks like it was poorly executed there on the right side. Some player got picked, and that, that linebacker would have got blocked, that scraped to the top, and that guy could still be running. Um, so, again, I'm always going to defend the coach on the call because as players we have to execute it. I know it's the coach who's got to make the right decision, but uh, that play could have been executed easily. They have the they got the look they wanted and could have been executed and really could have really put them in a great spot. So I'm always going to defend the coaches because as a player you got to execute the play.
0: All right, how about the NFC Championship game, the 49ers and the Packers? And I tell you what, to me the the Packers have got to be the least talked about 13 and three regular season team I've ever, ever have ever seen. <laughs>
1: Probably, right? Uh, no, they're unbelievable, led by the man himself, Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm going to go with the, the, the Niners, though. I like where they're built. I like the way they're built inside out. Uh, they have a great offensive line. They have a great outside zone run scheme, led by a fullback and a tight end. who are the best of what they do, receiving and passing, respectively. Um, and a quarterback that's kind of built to be – Mr. Clutch and kind of carries himself with that confidence very similar to Aaron Rodgers obviously doesn't have maybe the physical ability that Aaron has to throw the football uh and you're right they are the least talked about team especially in that tough that's a tough NFC North in my opinion um but I know Detroit quarterbacks had problems this year but that that Bears team's a good team even though they didn't have the year they wanted um So, no, and Minnesota, obviously, is a good team as well. But I I like San Fran. I think they're going to run the ball. They have a host of running backs. They have the defensive line. That's just insane. uh, When it comes down to the playoffs, like you see with Tennessee, the trenches win your football games. Uh, Baltimore could win the trenches, believe it or not. I don't think I'd ever say it, and that's why they lost last week. And I just think that they're going to be a little bit overpowered up front. I think the Niners have the juice to get it done up front. I think the Niners win. We're going to have a a Niners-Titan Super Bowl. It's pretty crazy to say.
0: Yeah, who would you like in that game?
1: Wow, I don't even know. I mean, that that's a toss-up. Uh, I'd probably take the Niners. I, I like the Niners team. I like the way they're built. Uh, we'll see, though. We'll see. I may have to tweet you my prediction before we do it.
0: Hey, uh, definitely, I would look forward to for you to do that. And, of course, uh, you've got a football season just about to start in just a few weeks. I know you're excited about that. And, Colin, we wish you so much uh, success uh, coming up with the Tampa Bay Vipers, And uh, certainly hope to have you on again at some point during the season and see how things are going.
1: Thanks chef. I look
0: forward to talk to you soon. Yeah. Colin came on my AAC report to, to talk about temple. We are uh, doing us uh, some programming on them for that show. And, uh, he's become a friend of the program ever since and, uh, certainly appreciate it. And we will certainly be rooting for Colin to have great success, not only in the XFL, but to get back and enjoy his dream of being in the national football league. And as we mentioned, uh, Lots of ties with uh, the Central Florida area. Uh, Renell Hall is with the Vipers. Matthew Wright, Terrence Plummer from UCF, and then uh, again you mentioned uh, Jacques Patrick from Florida State and nearby Timber Creek High School. Um, Shelton Lewis from Florida Atlantic, uh, Mac Brown from Florida, uh, Tavares McFadden, Florida State. A lot of, a lot of, lot of in-state flavor on the Tampa Bay Vipers. And again, that season will start one week after the Super Bowl. So just before the uh, Packers played in their uh, game last week, they had a little bit of a flu bug running around the team. So if you come across this in future endeavors, whether it be at the home or at the workplace, um, I present to you now, Dr. Devontae Adams on how to avoid illness.
1: Wash your hands, wash your butt, man. That's it. That's, that's, all. that's, that's all. That's what I tell everybody. Those are two things you got to make sure you keep those clean we'll be all right.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. There you go. He's a, he's a terrific wide receiver and now medically knows what he's talking about. <laughs> that's one of the best signs of the year so far. And we'll close on this. How about this? Drew Rosenhaus has dropped Antonio Brown as a client and says it would still like to represent him, but not until he goes and seeks proper help. You saw the video released uh, recently of A.B. going nuts about about the baby mama with his kids and you know, the guy is just, you know, off the rails one minute pleading for forgiveness and telling everybody how great they are the next minute. And this all, this tells you all you need to know when Drew Rosenhaus is the voice of reason. As always, please follow me on Twitter at Allen underscore 88. Follow me, I'll follow you. And, um... And if you're not subscribing to the podcast yet, and hopefully you're not turned off by Dr. Devonte Adams <laughs> prescription, <laughs> please do so. And uh, we certainly would love to have you listen each and every week. And with that, we are done here. L-V-E dot net.